Well, uh, certainly happy Mother's Day to all your mothers, and uh, we can't help but uh, to just uh, reflect on uh, the many blessings that we take for granted. And I know as a, a young boy, looking back, thinking about, well, all the sacrifices our mothers uh, gave, uh, I can't... I can't even, I got to start thinking about my mom the other day and was thinking about all the meals she cooked that I never probably even told her thank you for. Um, all the clothes she washed. Um, and, then, uh, and then I think probably all the prayers that moms offer up. I think that probably one of the great, um, when you stop to think about mothers and, um, and think about your life as you were growing up, and especially when you got into those teenage years, you could imagine who was waiting up. <laughs> or awake and heard you come through the door but had been praying and uh, maybe probably I would say a little bit of worrying, a little bit of uh, anxiety, uh, a lot of tears, uh, but just think about how a God uses even those moments as ways of uh, getting us to where he wants us to be uh, as, uh, as his people. And so uh, I, you know, look back and I say, wow, uh, I guess I never really sat down and told my mom how much I appreciated all those prayers and meals. But, uh, and I'm sure that if she were to charge me for that, I don't know that I would have the money to pay for them because at today's inflation rates, I think I'd be broke. Uh, I'd be still working uh, trying to pay those off. So uh, anyway. They don't. It's, but because, and it's because it's, there's four big words that they, that it's love. They, they do it because they, they sacrificially love us. And uh, so I, uh, um, to all you mothers and all the sacrifices, thank you. And, uh, and uh, from, uh, but that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about worry and anxiety. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do, we need to, we need just to lift up uh, uh, this time in prayer and, and certainly just, um, uh, one, one thing I would ask a church to pray for is I'm, um, one of the things that we're doing this year is we have four or five guys in West Virginia that are part of what I, I'm kind of like a coordinator for um, LAMP Seminary. And LAMP Seminary is an online seminary that's for guys who are uh, having a, a different vocation. They're not full-time pastors. But there are men who want to, uh, some of them are ruling elders. We have a couple of them at Providence. Uh, we have a couple, uh, one guy in uh, New Martinsville, um, a couple, well, actually two or three guys in Huntington, um, and a couple guys in uh, Malden. But, uh, but anyway, it's for men who want to do uh, training, want to, uh, men and, and, you know, who want to uh, get more uh, in-depth study of Scripture. And uh, one of the things, that's, the intent is, is to be able to train men on the field who will have a heart for West Virginia. You know, the intent is, is as a presbytery, we, we feel like a lot of times we get men in, but they really don't have a love for the people. But we were hoping that some of these men who are bivocational, some of them who maybe are leaning towards ministry or God's calling, that they would be people that would be able to come and, and have a heart for the people of West Virginia. And, uh, you know, most people that are, that live here, live here because they love it, you know. And uh, even though I, I lived, I, I had to go away for a job reasons, I, I, my heart was always here and uh, in uh, West Virginia, my home. And uh, so uh, I couldn't wait to get back. <laughs> and uh, the Lord providentially and by his gracious hand did that. So uh, anyway, keep that in mind. It's, uh, 
it's uh, like I said, it's online. I'm just a coordinator. I don't actually do the teaching. The teaching's already provided from guys who are uh, much wiser and smarter than me. But uh, I coordinate some of those, and I facilitate some of the courses. But uh, anyway, just keep that in, in mind, because we, are, we do have five or six men, but we, we're always open for more people who are, have an interest in wanting to know more of Scripture and who want to uh, serve in some way, sometimes just as pulpit supply. Adam, Adam, Adam is, he's in seminary, and he's going to be speaking here in uh, the end of May. Um, but uh, he is, but uh, he's, um, his pastor, Josh, is the one that, uh, that I uh, kind of mentored there at Covenant, and he, uh, he went through this uh, LAMP seminary curriculum. So. But you're right, yeah, he's, he definitely has a heart for West Virginia as well, Adam does. So let's pray. Father, we just come to you now, and uh, we just thank you, Father, for our mothers. Uh, Lord, uh, we take all these things for granted, but we realize, Lord, that they're, uh, uh, they are precious uh, gifts from you, and uh, we thank you for them. And, Lord, we ask for your blessing upon each mother here today. Uh, Lord, mothers carry burdens that sometimes we men don't understand, um, but they uh, sacrificially and lovingly, Father, uh, care for people and for their children in ways that uh, us fathers always uh, sometimes don't. And, and yet, Father, I thank you for them, and I thank you for uh, our, uh, those who are serving in, in difficult places, Father, as we heard today in Ukraine. And uh, thank you for the answers to prayer there. And also, Lord, we think of the many children uh, that uh, are being uh, rescued even, Father, from, um, from abortion. Uh, Lord, thinking of the many that, uh, that have, uh, um, and just what's happening in our nation today, Lord, we know that our, that our nation is somewhat divided. Um, but Lord, we ask that even uh, that through these, these means and other means, Lord, that you would uh, raise up uh, a great uh, army of uh, servants of God who not only would just uh, reach out in love to those who, Father, who don't maybe see the same things as we see from your word and don't have the heart and the burden, Father, for the, for the, the little children as you do. You said, permit the little children to come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And now, Father, we ask that you would bless your word today and that you would give us your Holy Spirit in a special way. Lord, not we have your Holy Spirit, but we ask that he would come and minister to each need here today. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our struggles, you know our burdens, and you know our worries. And I thank you, Lord, that you carry, we can, that we can give those to you, and you carry them because you're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to be looking in uh, Philippians chapter 4 because uh, Paul is talking about joy. And uh, he's talking about uh, joy that sometimes we have to fight for in the Christian life. Uh, it's joy that isn't something that uh, I guess we take for granted many times. But Paul is, uh, remember, Paul is in prison. And uh, he's talking about joy and that we should rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, and again, I say rejoice, verse 4. And he's been dealing with conflict in the church earlier on, in the verses that we spoke on last week. But he also is, uh, as he's talking about his own life, think about it, in his own experience, he uh, doesn't know whether he's going to be released or not. He's in prison. He's been in prison, actually, at this point, about two years. 
uh, between the time that he was arrested in Jerusalem and the time that he got to Rome. It's about two years. So he's been in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to be released. He doesn't know if he's going to die in prison or he doesn't know if he's going to be martyred. Uh, think about it. Emperor Nero is on the throne. Uh, he's out there roasting Christians on, as, light, uh, you know, as uh, light poles or lamp poles um, for his own driveway. So that's the kind of predicament he's in. And then he tells us not to worry. And you kind of think like, well, Paul, you, you, you would think you'd be a little nervous about things. But Paul says here that uh, in the midst of what he was facing, in the midst of what you and I are facing, he wants to give us some assurances or encouragement. And he says, uh, he gives us this command, which I think sometimes it's, it's hard to understand. But he says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, you know, anxiety is something that happens to us, right? In fact, if you were to, um, if you were to take a poll, uh, even ask yourself, how many, how many of us would say that we've not worried about anything this week? What about just this last day? Or maybe this last month? I mean, we, uh, we, you know, anxiety seems to be something that um, we are getting more accustomed to because of COVID, right? I mean, think about all the, 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 you know, kids that used to go to school and not worry. Now they go to school and wonder, well, you know, will I be able to go to school? Uh, there, there's, so, it, there's, so anxiety is not something that's restricted to a certain age or a certain group. It's something that's very common. In fact, uh, some of the most severe anxiety is, I mean, some people are totally debilitated by anxiety. Uh, we know that, uh, I mean, there's, you know, th this has just become a, uh, as someone would say, this is the age of anxiety. It's an age where people are worried. I mean, it's, I mean, think about finances, jobs. Uh, we should throw family in there, right, moms? <laughs> family, our children, their future. Um, safety issues. There's all kinds of things that, that are going on in our world. And in our world, you know, Jesus said, in this world, you will suffer tribulation or struggle. But he says, but he says, but take heart. Uh, I've overcome the world. So he's, so there is that issue that, that Paul is addressing here. And I, and I think it's important because uh, we're confronted with it, not only ourselves, but how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? Uh, how does God want us to deal with it? And um, Jesus spoke about it on the Sermon on the Mount. He said three times, do not worry what you shall eat or wear. Do not worry about tomorrow. Uh, don't worry about uh, adding another even, he says, you can't even add another day or another hour to your life. So he, says, but so he makes it really clear that we shouldn't worry. Now, it's easy to give a command, I think, because Jesus doesn't give a command unless he knows that it's possible for us to give our worries to somebody else. And that's what I'm, we're going we're gonna to look at here. But, but think about some of the physical effects of anxiety. Um, one medical researcher said that there's something like 60 diseases that are caused or aggravated by anxiety. 
That's kind of scary in a way. It's kind of thinking like, okay, maybe there is a reason for me not to worry and to be anxious about anything. Um, And why does God say that? Because if you think about what's the opposite of anxiety or worry? Peace, isn't it? You know, when I think of peace, when you think of peace, if I were to say the word, I say the word peace, what are you thinking about? What, what, what comes to your mind right away? Calmness. What? Calmness. Calmness. Uh, it's like this deep, it's like uh, being on a, a, you know, beside a big lake and it's just calm. And you hear the birds. It's just letting everything go. Letting everything, you, you can relax. Yeah, you're, 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 you're relaxed. You, there's calm. There's, there's a sense of, um, I, we call it, uh, remember uh, a lot of the people talk about serenity prayers. There's a, there's a sense of serenity in that. And, uh, and so, so Paul is going to basically talk about He's going to talk about anxiety. He's going to talk about the cure for anxiety. And then he's going to talk about the, the comfort that God gives us and how peace is really the calm that God gives us to replace that. And, of course, you can't, you can't even speak about any of that without understanding that, well, peace is not, it's supernatural. I mean, you could say, I could say, we say that oftentimes peace be to you. But only God, the Holy Spirit, can give peace, right? And that's what Jesus, of course, talks about here. Um, he'll talk about that in, in not only Matthew, uh, but he talks about that in John chapter 14 and 16. So, so we're, let's, let's just talk about some of the, the things that anxiety does and uh, some of the causes. Because uh, Paul's saying that we're not to be full of care. And that word there that he uses is not good. I mean, it's good for us to care about things that are important. But when those things themselves become uh, consuming, uh, uh, the idea that Paul has is, he even uses this, your translation might say, do not be careful. It might be in the King James Version, but my, my, my version says, do not be anxious. But that word there is careful or being full of care, being torn to pieces with anxious care. Is the idea. In other words, this is the kind of care that that so consumes you that it debilitates you. That it that it, it that that it's that it. it uh, well, for example, um, you can't sleep. You can't eat. You can't. Uh, I remember uh, one of my the first times I noticed that I was getting. Uh, you ever get clammy hands when you're nervous or you know really anxious. Or you have to give a speech and you can't, and I remember forgetting my speech. I couldn't, and I was so, I was so full of anxiety, I couldn't even look at my notes. Uh, I said, I would never be a preacher. <laughs> well, so that's what God does. He's, he, he'd never say never. But, but so, there's, so there's those types of situations where, you know, we've all experienced it. But, you know, I've, I've always you know, had to ask myself, but, but what does God, how does God want to fix this issue? I mean, because it, it's obviously something that, that, in, that hurts us or in, I'd say debilitates us, uh, hinders us from being able to, to, to enjoy life, right? Because Paul's talking about rejoicing in the Lord always, and I can't rejoice if I'm anxious, right? If I'm worried, I'm not rejoicing, um, I'm usually focused on fixing the problem. 
my big issue is control. I like to be able to, to predict what's going to happen, don't you? I like to anticipate I've got contingency plans and backup plans to the contingency and then backup, backup plans for the contingency that I think I'm going to, you know, because it's not going to work, you know. And how much time does that take out of our schedule? And it's not saying contingencies aren't important. It's not saying that you shouldn't think through those things. But Paul makes it very clear here that we should not be full of that kind of anxiety that debilitates us as Christians. And he's saying that that's the kind of thing that the Heavenly Father came to take away from us. Because when God created Adam and Eve, guess what there was? Can you, if you could picture what Eden was like, it was this beautiful calm. And Adam and Eve, it says, were walking in the garden and they were talking with God. And, and, God, and God's talking to them. And he's talking, and they're talking back, and there's this, this calm, and you're going like, whoa. And then something happened when they sinned. It disrupted all that peace. And all of a sudden, we've got a world that's filled with turmoil, right? I mean, look, you can't, you can't turn a news on without seeing turmoil, right? And, and we make monuments after wars, and then we call them peace monuments, <laughs> but think about all the, the pain and all the, you know, the death and all the sickness and all the things that are associated with all that. And so, so Paul is basically saying that there is something that we need to learn and grow in as Christians. And he's going he's to kind of, he's going to deal with this in more, more detail. But I believe one of the reasons that anxiety and worry destroys our Christian, it really destroys our Christian joy because we can't really enjoy God when we're anxious, can we? I mean, think about it. We, we really, like Mary and Martha, it says they were serving. They, think about it. They had Jesus in their home. Jesus, if Jesus were to come, any of you ladies, if Jesus came to your home, what would you be doing? Now, I mean, I, I, you don't have to tell me. I know. Cleaning. I mean, Kenny, did you get those windows? <laughs> Those windows, I mean, could you, well, I did, I did them, but make sure you do them right, you know, because Jesus is coming or, 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 you know, well, I've got to make sure the meal is just exactly the way it should be. And I want to get the best china out and I want to, I want to make sure everything is just so perfect when Jesus comes. And that's Martha. And she is so upset and so frustrated that she, with, with Mary, because Mary's sitting there at Jesus' feet enjoying Jesus. And as a kid, I often thought, boy, you know, I really, I really appreciate Martha. You know, I, I never understood Mary. But yet Mary was really, Jesus, he even says to Martha, Martha, you are so full of anxiety and care. But Mary has chosen what? The best thing. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Think about it. If Jesus is in your home, you want to hear Jesus. You want to ask Jesus questions. You don't want to miss any of his teaching. Now, I'm not saying that the meal is not important, but Jesus said, it really, I mean, that one visit of Jesus would make most of our lives, I mean, we, we, would be, we would be able to write books forever, right? <laughs> we would we'd be publishing those books. We would be, you know, we would probably have the art, you know, have artists try to illustrate the book. But see, uh, so we miss the joy in the Christian life because of anxiety. Um, 
And, and, and Jesus mentions that uh, here with Mar Mary and Martha. They missed an opportunity to really, or she did, missed an opportunity just to get to know Jesus in a deeper way, in a better way. Um, think of some of the other uh, things that, you know, the Bible talks about uh, you know, Jesus when he was uh, in Sermon on the Mount. He says that we care about stuff that's important, but he says we worry about what? What we eat, what, what we wear. Uh, he says, but the birds of the air neither sow nor toil. And your Father in heaven cares for them. And it doesn't mean that you don't work and it doesn't mean you don't plan. But bottom line, it's just saying, but, but at the end of the day, you can't change those things. And one thing that we have as in common as Christians is that we're part of a family with a father who cares about our every need. And that's what he, that's, what, that's the whole focus of the Sermon on the Mount is you are a child of the king and being a child of the king, then that king takes care and he's your father and he takes care of you. He provides. He will provide for all of your needs, not all of your wants, because all of my, my, usually when I'm worried, I'm wanting something that I want, not necessarily what God wants for me. And so that anxiety, I think sometimes uh, it distorts, really it distorts our understanding of who God is, doesn't it? That he's our father, that um, we have a father who not only cares, but a father who does and can provide, and that he has all power in heaven and in earth. Uh, and so those are things that, that are important. Um, that we miss in the, in the midst of all of that. Um, you remember the disciples, they were in the boat and Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Remember that there's a, there's a Mark, Mark, I think has the best account of it. At least I, I think in Mark chapter four, but, but anyway, Jesus says, go in the boat. We're going to see, let us go to the other side. And as they're getting ready to, as they're in the boat, the storm comes and what happens? The boat is getting blown to bits in the waves. And all of a sudden, the disciples, they, they, they wake it. Jesus is asleep in the storm. Now, that's calm. That's, that's what peace can do. And, uh, and they wake him up and say, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus stands up, and it says literally, in the, literally it says, if, you were, if they were to interpret that for us the way that the, the, it actually reads, it says, he, he stands up and he says, he says to the wind, be muzzled like a dog. And it says, he says, peace, be still. And all of a sudden, there's calm. And they're sitting there going like, who is this man? <laughs> just say the word. And he says the word to, and, it, and it just totally brings total peace to the situation. Well, see, that's what, that's, what, that's what God wants us to do. I remember one of the ladies I used to, uh, she'd always come to me. She says, the reason I worry is this. She says, I, I always worry, because, I worry because what I worry about never happens. And I thought, well, that seems pretty, that seems pretty, I mean, it sounds it sounds good, but I said, you know, but the Bible tells us not to worry. So it's, you're, are you, you're, you think if you worry about it, that that in some way 
means that you are controlling the situation in some way so that you don't, you don't have to, uh, you know, that it doesn't happen. And I thought, well, that, that doesn't really, you know, that's, that's not, uh, I said, that's not scriptural, first of all. <laughs> but, but what is the cure that, that he gives us here? Notice what he, there's one cure for anxiety in this text that he wants us to see. And, I, and that's in verse 7. Notice that. Uh, actually, in verse 6 and verse 7. But notice what he says here. He says, and let, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Notice the, notice the contrast. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let, let your requests be made known to God. So God's one cure, the one thing that he says that you need to deal with this is prayer. And he describes prayer in four different ways. He uses a general word for prayer, but he's, but he's basically saying, instead of worrying, what you do is that you use that time for prayer and for fellowship with God. That word, that, that word for prayer there that he uses is the word that we use for worship. It's, it's, in other words, refocusing my thinking on who the Lord is. That's what worship is all about. It's saying, I have a God. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's eternal. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the God that I worship. And so it's a refocus of my thinking and my whole affections on who God is. And, it, and it's really, a, it's, it's a focus of worship. In fact, Luther, Martin Luther, back in uh, the Reformation days, basically said that, that, that part, the, the way that he would counsel us, he, he would say this, he would say that, that, that people who are, are overstressed, he would say, it's a worship issue. Because it's saying that, I, that the things that are coming at us are bigger than the God that we worship, Right? Isn't that's what it's saying? I mean, that's what that's what that's, So he would he would he would deal with it as a worship issue, and and in effect, what he was basically saying is that those cares and anxieties that we sometimes are afraid are going to happen are the very things that that we think that we're controlling, and we don't have control over those things. In fact, if I were to ask you, how many things do you really have control over? And, you know, the, more, the older I get, the more real, the realizes I don't have a whole lot of control over things. I mean, I, have, I mean, I can, you know, there are certain decisions and so forth I make. But I don't have the outcomes. I don't have control over the outcomes. I wished I did. Uh, I would change things to make them more predictable. Um, uh, things that wouldn't catch me by surprise. Um, I would make sure that, you know, people gave me the right advice instead of the wrong advice. And not take it. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's all kinds of things that I, that I would do differently. Uh, but, but he uses this word prayer. But then he notice he, but he, he includes something else with prayer. He says supplication. The word supplication just means I am needy. That's one of the reasons I chose that song in uh, the second song that we sing. I need thee. Matt Maurer, by the way, has one. Uh, I don't know if anybody's heard Matt Maurer's song on I need you. You know, that one, that, he, he, he really captures that really well. But I think the song we sang, it does too. In other words, our need is something that we can cry out to God about. The supplication just means an intensity that you feel at that moment. Like the psalmist said, he said, you know, he said he was sinking deep 
in his distress and he cried to the Lord. That's supplication. Supplication is, it's, an, it's just, Lord, I don't know what to do. Help. <laughs> it's, it's being in the foxhole and the enemy's coming at you and you're, going, and you're just saying, Lord, help. And you're saying, get me out of this. Get me through this. Um, it, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily an argument other than just saying, Lord, I am totally helpless in this situation. And that's how, you know, that's how, I mean, think about the things that, that come at us. We don't have total control over them. We just say, Lord, I need help. I need you. And you know what that does? It, it humbles us to think that I need God, right? 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, humble yourself. He says, he says, he says, come to God. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And, that's, and it's basically saying, I need help, Lord. I need to humble my, in other words, I mean, the world's telling me you can do it. You can do it, right? You can handle this. You can't. God didn't intend you to do that. But it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will, and it says that he will, get, he will help you in an opportune time, in his time. But it says something else, and then it says, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. So it's, like, it's kind of like saying, okay, I know that I have to face this, but I don't have to face it alone. I can face this and I can cast that care that I'm feeling right now on the Lord. Have you ever taken a, t- I mean, I, I did, I remember taking a Greek test and um, I was worried. I was studied as hard as I could, but there were things I didn't know. And I was so worried about the things I didn't know. I forgot the things I knew. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, my, my, my mind went blank and I had to go to the professor and I said, I can't, I can't even remember the first thing about what I studied on this test. And thankfully, he was, um, he was such a gracious man. <laughs> he says, I understand. He says, um, you can take the test next week. <laughs> but the point is, but, but I was just so stressed out. And, and there, but there's, there's, there's types of situations where, uh, but Jesus says, look, I want to carry your cares for you. How hard is it for us to give God those cares? I mean, it's hard, isn't it? It's a humbling thing because, you know, none of us are big enough, strong enough, confident enough. No matter what the world says, we cannot handle life and weren't meant to handle life without God's help. He's there. He says, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is light and easy, and you will find what? Rest. Rest is peace for your soul. That's the Sabbath, the rest. But, but, but notice, he doesn't just stop with this supplication. He says, with what? With thanksgiving. See, that's where we fail because sometimes I get so focused on what I'm anxious about that I forget to give thanks to God for the things that he's already done. That's the idea of Thanksgiving is remembering the past and remembering all the things that God's done. And, and as you do that, you remember, well, Lord, I remember when I was in this situation, you delivered me. And in this situation, you came and you did this. And it's this other situation, you did this. And so it's, it's, and it's, it's 
you, it's remembering the past and seeing what God has done and giving thanks and saying, Lord, I thank you that you've always been there. I may not always understand it. I may not always feel it. But the point is, is that God has been faithful. I can look back and see God's faithfulness. I may not understand how he answered prayer. And uh, sometimes the way he answered was maybe not the way that I thought. But in effect, he's always been faithful. Because I, as a Christian, and you do too, we struggle what we forget the great and good things God's done in our life. We forget that. Uh, in fact, like, uh, for example, you remember the children of Israel were in the wilderness for how many years? And they got fed by God with manna for 40 years. And they had God's presence in a cloud. Plus, at night, they had, they had light. <laughs> Did you notice what else they forgot? And after 40 years, if your clothes didn't wear out, would you think that there's something... I mean, I want to talk to the manufacturer. Where did you buy those clothes? Did you go to them at Macy's? I mean, where, where do you get clothes that don't wear out for 40 years? I mean, it says that their clothes didn't wear out. I mean, can you imagine your teenager saying, Mom, I, I think I need a new shirt. Honey, that shirt's it's only 38 years old. You got two more years. But it's not in style. Don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's a perfectly good. And shoes, it says the shoes didn't wear out. For 40 years. Now, I think about it. You're six years old, and you've gotten, been wearing the same shoe, and now you're 16. Now, what happened to those shoes? Your feet are growing, and the shoes are growing with your feet. I don't understand that. I'm sorry, but that, to me, that's funny, isn't it? I mean, I look at it, How can their shoes not? Uh, I mean, come on, you know. I mean, I put those little booties on you when you're a baby, and those things are, can continue to grow on your feet, and they don't wear out. And yet, God puts that in his word. I mean, look at Deuteronomy 8, I think Deuteronomy 29. And you're sitting there and you're going, and then all of a sudden you get into a little bit of a spat or a bad situation and you need a little water. What are you thinking? You got to look at your clothes and say, well, man, if these clothes, I mean, if this shirt didn't wear out for 38, 39, 40 years, I don't have to worry, right? God can do this. God is able you see, what the Bible is trying to get us to do is to think biblically about who we are in Christ. That our new identity is not, we, yes, we are sinners saved by grace, but what? But I'm a child of God. And the Father has all authority in heaven and earth. And he says that it's good for me to go away because if I don't go away, I won't send the Holy Spirit to live in you. You are a walking worship center. Right? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer. And that's a powerful, that's a powerful tool for Satan. Because you know what it says in, in 1 Peter 5, 7? It says, beware the devil is prowling around. And you know what he's doing? It uses the word devil because the word devil means accuser. And who's he accusing? He's accusing God of not being good to you in your circumstances. He's accusing God saying, if God really loved you, why would he allow that to happen to you? He must not love you very much. He doesn't love you as good as what's his name down the road. I mean, look, they don't have any problems. And you're going like, yeah, you know, I never thought about that. And we start entertaining. But 1 Peter 5 says 
that Satan is trying to what? Slander not only the brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, but he slanders God all the time. He's basically saying God is not good when he doesn't give you what you want. And we know that's not true, isn't it? God is good and he's always good. But Satan would question that. And that's why we have to pray. And so when we give thanks, we're basically saying, Lord, I want to remember everything you've done. You saved me by grace. You are continuing that work in me by your grace. You sent your Holy Spirit. You've adopted me into your family. You've assured me that I'm going to be raised from the dead when I die. You've assured me that I have a home in heaven and you're building that house. Think of all the things that God has already promised to you and me as his people. And then he says, having done all of that, he says, now make your request known to God. <laughs> because then you pray. You know how you pray at that point? Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I really don't know what the best. I don't even know how, what to ask for specifically for this situation. Uh, but I do know that God knows what's best. And he says, in that process, you can make those requests known to God. And bring all of, not only to remember that, but just to, just to reflect on his goodness and then be able to specifically say, Lord, I, this is, I really do believe uh, I need this, but I'm going to leave it in your hands as to how you answer, right? Because a lot of times, I remember praying for something for 17 years. <laughs> and I thought, well, the Lord... I concluded because God didn't answer that prayer. And I thought he put it in my heart that he, wasn't, he didn't want me in full-time ministry. I was, I was bivocational for 17 years after seminary. And I just was, I, I, I basically, I, I told Chris, I said, honey, I think God's just made it clear. And uh, I even had tell, people telling me, you know, well, obviously he didn't want you to be in full-time ministry because he's blessing you in your work. And I'm going like, that doesn't make sense. Well, what, you think if I'm a failure, he wants me, oh. No, it doesn't. You know, I, I discounted that. That was a pastor that said that to me. And I, I thought, oh, jeez. Uh, but after 17 years, but you know what God was telling me all through that? He said this. He's going to answer my prayer, but I'm not ready yet. There was a lot more for me to learn in his school. And it's, it's a school in which God is teaching us. And so what is the promise? I just want, uh, we need to jump right in there. What's the promise God gives here in verse 7? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's not one thing that you can say to define peace, right? The peace of God, that's who God is. He's the God of peace, and he's made peace through the cross, and he's made peace with us through faith. It says being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's, 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 that's justifying, saving faith. But you know something else? There's the peace of God, and it's God's Holy Spirit dwelling in you, assuring you that you're his child. It's, it's like the Holy Spirit whispering in your ears and saying, I love you so much. Now, who wants to hear that from their father? And the Holy Spirit is saying, I just want to know, you to know that God, we love you so much. The Trinity loves you so much. That's the peace that passes all understanding. That's the peace that this uh, writer, that the song that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be singing, when peace like a river attendeth my way. And see, and it says, sorrows like sea billows roll. 
Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. What had happened? Well, two years before, this, before he went to England, he lost everything he had in the Chicago fire. And then he sent his wife and his four children across the ocean because he wanted, he wanted them to go first because he had to take care of some business in Chicago. And then he got a message from his wife because their boat hit another boat and it sank and they, they're all four of their children, his girls died. And his wife sent back a telegram saying, saved alone. And as he sailed across the ocean... It says, when he came to the point where that ship sank, the writer of that hymn says, he said, the words came to him, when peace like a river. Now, what does, what does peace like a river have to do with losing four kids and the sorrow that's involved in that? You have to ask yourself a question like that, don't you? I mean, how can he sing that song with all the pain that he's in his heart right now? And you can't help but to realize that, well, what it is is that he understands that somebody else has gone through that, right? God lost his only son, but he did it voluntarily for you. And his only son lost his peace to give us peace. Think about it. When he's hanging on the cross, he's being treated as a sinner condemned. In your place. He's losing his peace to give you his peace. He understood that. And as he writes these words, we'll, we'll sing these words, but think about the words as he's writing them. This is a guy that's lost everything. His livelihood, his business, all the things that he maybe strived for all his life. Two years later, loses all of his kids. And he's going across to meet his wife, who's probably in, you know, She's grieving, and he's grieving, and he writes these words. That's the peace that he's sensing here. It's a peace that you can, it's past this understanding. You cannot, this is not a peace you can buy. <laughs> this is a peace that the Holy Spirit gives in moments when you will never, never understand why do you have this peace when you're going through so much turmoil and facing so much turmoil in your life. And so that's exactly what Jesus is saying. That peace, but notice that it's, there's something about this peace that's beautiful. That, pa- that peace, which surpasses our understanding, will guard. That word guard there is that God puts a sentinel. It's like he puts a big army around your heart and your mind, and it's guarding you. That's the word there. It's, it's used as a, it's, it's like a military term in which, which you're, you're being surrounded with guards. And God's peace is guarding you. Isn't that, isn't that something? But the world's coming at me. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, there, you know, this might happen. That might happen. The what ifs. The what, you know. And yet, in the midst of that, there's this peace because God, the Holy Spirit, has come. And in it's in a, in a, in a, in a, it's supernatural. But he comes and he surrounds your heart with that peace. And he's saying that peace is for every believer. It's not just for Paul sitting in prison, wondering whether he's going to die or not. He's saying that that will guard your hearts and your minds who? In Christ Jesus. Who are in Christ Jesus right now? If you're a believer, you're in Christ Jesus. That peace is for you. That peace is for me. 
And God's saying, peace, be still to us in those moments. And I, I just thought, man, I mean, I, I mean, think about the many times I've been a worry wart. <laughs> All the times I've missed stuff. <laughs> Uh, those opportunities to leave that, got, that I missed because I was such a worrywart, such an anxious person, just totally, you know. I, I want to be like uh, Jay Adams said, Joe. He had, he had an example. He says, well, Joe, Joe was a worrywart, but one day he was just all smiles. And, and his, his friend says, well, Joe, what's wrong? And he says, well, I'm, he says, you, you're always such a worrywart. What's happening? You're all smiles. And he says, why did, I just gave my, uh, my worries to somebody else. I'm paying him $1,000 a day. To worry for me. And he said, well, Joe, you don't have $1,000 a day. He says, it's not my problem. That's his. <laughs> you know? But, isn't, but God does it freely. He says, I want to carry your problems with me. I, I want them. Give them to me. And you're going like, no, no, no. Uh, I, want, I want to worry about this tonight. I want to spend all night wide-eyed, you know, you know, just I, I have to worry about this because if I don't worry about it, it, it won't happen. And, and God's saying, give me that worry. And I give it to me. It's free. Isn't that amazing? That's what God, I mean, think about if you, if you look up the word peace, the synonym for peace is this. It, it kind of floored me. I looked this up this morning. I said, well, wait, what's the synonym of peace? Contentment. What does Paul say in the next section? He says, I have learned in every situation. I've learned contentment. I've learned to do without, and I've learned to abound. He says, but regardless of which one, I am content. He's basically saying, I'm at peace. And the question is, God wants that for all of us in every situation. To give him your worries and anxieties and let him carry those. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you for your grace that uh, tells us that uh, your grace is greater than all of our sin. And that, Father, you carry our burdens for us. And you do that because you are a God of love and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name.